Hello, I'm Albert Sines, your door-to-door storyteller, and I'd like to give you a story. This story is called Fugue by Gretel and Darkey. The basilica was dark, except for a small puddle of light pooling around the organ and spilling over the edge of the choir loft, like the reflection of a yellow moon on a deep, still pond. Crackling firework notes fulgurated out from the pipes around the church, filling the Baroque space with brilliant flashes of sound. Every now and then the music would abruptly stop as the monk at the console stumbled over a passage of Pachelbel's complex Preludium in D minor. The notes lingered like after-images in the silence, sometimes not fully absorbing into the basilica's deep purple shadows until the pipes opened again on the crashingly energetic fugue. Brother Mark Charles sighed and cracked his knuckles, leaning toward the music on the page in front of him. A moment ago, his feet and hands had danced furiously over the keys and pedals, his eyes rushing back and forth across the page behind their round-rimmed glasses. Now Mark Charles felt like a forward scout who had accidentally stumbled on the enemy's camp. The small black dots threatened to overwhelm the faded white pages as they marched on, leaving him behind and trekking forward into the second and more difficult part of the piece. With another sigh, Brother Mark Charles began again, trying not to swear as his fingers almost immediately slipped over the first cluster of sixteenth notes. Cursing was a remnant of Mark Charles' past that he found it particularly difficult to give up. Almost a year ago, he had entered St. Gerard's Monastery, nestled into the foothills of the Laurentian Mountains in Quebec, and he loved the quiet, peaceful life he led with his fellow monks. But before his monastery days, Mark Charles had played the keyboard all over the rock music scene in New York City. Swearing had come naturally to him then, like breathing or smoking. Smoking. He still missed cigarettes sometimes, too. Even though the abbot had told him that he needn't give up smoking, although he would have to regulate it, the young monk had decided that it would be a good penance to quit outright. Mark Charles sighed and began the troublesome passage again, this time at half the composer's tempo. It sounds like a demented merry-go-round, he thought. He really loved this piece, even though it was harder than anything he had ever played. Deathlight had some tricky riffs, he thought, but that band had nothing on Pachelbel. The Deathlight Orchestra had been Mark Charles's most prestigious gig. He had never thought he would play professional keyboard in New York City. But his hard work had eventually paid off, and, although his name was never on the ticket, he played in many well-known bands. Heck, he had been able to pay the bills without getting a day job. Not many musicians could say that. I never thought I'd be sitting on an organ bench in Quebec playing an 18th-century dead guy's music either, he thought. Life as his organ teacher, Father Danielle, liked to remind him, was full of mysteries. As Mark Charles began again, this time at a faster tempo, he was distracted by a soft scuffling sound down in the church proper. He couldn't risk removing his eyes from the racing notes in front of him, but his eyebrows drew together at the disturbance. His fingers slipped again. This time he did curse, 
although softly under his breath. As the echoes of the last discordant notes faded, he heard the scuffling sound more distinctly. It came from the opposite corner of the basilica. Mark Charles turned on the organ bench and squinted through his glasses down into the darkness. The shadows on the far side of the huge church undulated like a black bedsheet left out in an October gale. One shadow in particular moved steadily toward the back of the basilica, shuffling with each step. As the shadowy figure came closer to the pool of light spilling over the edge of the choir loft, Mark Charles could see that it was Father Pius, one of the oldest monks at St. Gerard. The old man scuffled along, his hood down, his bald head with its rim of fluffy white hair gleaming softly in the residual light. He must be wearing his slippers, the young monk thought. Mark Charles wasn't surprised. All the buildings in the monastery were connected by closed passageways, and many of the monks wore slippers or sandals all the time. Mark Charles's best friend, Brother Scholastique, often wore his fuzzy green slippers to their seminary classes. Father Pius himself had had to reprimand him about it once. Mark Charles smiled at the memory. Father Pius doesn't like our jokes, though, Mark Charles thought. Often the old monk would try to separate them in his classes. Pius called them his evil clowns. As if to prove him right, the two young monks sometimes made fun of the old man until their consciences pricked them. Now a wickedly funny idea came to Mark Charles. A slow grin spread across his face as he adjusted the small mirror on the organ console so that he could watch Father Pius's retreating back as the old monk made his first lap around the basilica. Pulling out all the stops, Mark Charles played the virtuoso passage of the Pachelbel at full volume. In the mirror, the old priest jumped. Mark Charles's snickers were masked by a cacophony of blaring notes. Subtly at first, then more deliberately, Mark Charles slowed the music down. Then he sped it up to an almost ridiculous pace. To his amusement, Father Pius walked slower, and then faster, as the music dictated. He seemed unable to break his walk out of the rhythm that Mark Charles set for him. After a particularly fast passage, the old monk turned around and raised his face to the choir loft. Although Pius stood almost at the tabernacle, at the other side of the basilica, Mark Charles could see the old monk's eyes. Father Pius glared up at the loft, his pale eyes blazing with anger. The smile melted off of Mark Charles's lips as the old monk's expression seemed to fill the small round mirror, anger and reproach mixed with elderly frustration at the knowledge that the steps to the loft were beyond Father Pius's strength. After an impossibly long moment, Pius turned and left the church through the small door next to the tabernacle. Only then did Mark Charles realize that he had been playing the same eight notes over and over again. He stopped and rubbed his wrists. Maybe he had practiced enough for the evening. Halfway through morning prayer the next day, Brother Mark Charles noticed that Father Pius wasn't nodding off in his usual place in the choir stall across the church. Usually, Mark Charles could look up from his prayer book and see the old monk dozing, his wobbly chin dropping toward his concave chest. 
But today, as Mark Charles flipped through his breviary and nudged Brother Scholastique to keep his big friend awake, he saw only a hole where Father Pius usually sat, like a rotted-out tooth in an otherwise perfect smile. Mark Charles frowned. He had never known the old priest to miss morning prayer. It was odd. Mark Charles felt a stab of uneasiness as he gazed at Pius's empty seat. He couldn't help but feel like he had caused Pius's absence somehow. He knew it was an irrational thought, but he just couldn't discard the feeling. Mark Charles shook himself as the other monks started to sing the morning canticle. He had just been playing a little joke, that was all. Harmless little jokes didn't keep people from getting out of bed in the morning, did they? I have the funniest story to tell you about Father Pius, Mark Charles told Scholastique as he slid in beside his friend at the refectory table after morning prayer. At lunch and dinner, one of the monks would read St. Bede's commentary on the Acts of the Apostles, but during breakfast, the monks were allowed to talk quietly. Scholastique choked on his cereal. You okay? Mark Charles asked. The big monk nodded, his bushy beard bobbing and his eyes streaming as he choked and coughed, pounding his chest until he could breathe again. I played a prank on him last night, Mark Charles continued, while Scholastique caught his breath. I actually feel kind of bad about it now. I mean, it wasn't harmful or anything, but he looked at me before he left the church, and I think he was pretty upset. (coughs) What time last night? Scholastic wheezed, his usually deep voice coming out breathy and strained. Um, Mark Charles looked down, thinking, I guess it was about 11.30 p.m., maybe a little later. I was practicing in the basilica. I like to practice in there at night. It's quieter. Scholastic shook his head. No way, bro, he said, his voice returning to its normal gravelly timbre. That's impossible. What do you mean? Pius couldn't possibly have been in the church after 9 p.m. Why not? I saw him. I'm sure it was him. He looked right at me. I could see him in the mirror. I keep on the organ console. I know it was him. Can't be. Why not? Scholastique's bushy eyebrows drew together. Are you messing with me, man? He asked. Now you're playing a prank on me, aren't you? Not funny, dude. Not nice to me or to poor old Pius. Mark Charles ran a hand through his spiky black hair. I'm not messing with you, he said a little too loudly. A few heads turned in their direction. A few ancient eyebrows arched heavenward. Mark Charles leaned forward, speaking more softly. I'm just telling you what I saw, he said. Now will you please tell me why you think I'm joking? Scholastique stared at Mark Charles for a long moment. "'You can't have seen Pius in the Basilica,' he said at last. "'He died last night around 9 p.m.' "'What?' Mark Charles felt like he had been slapped. "'Pius is dead, Mark,' Scholastique said more gently. "'I thought you knew that. "'I thought everybody knew that by now.' Anyway, I was with him near the end. I went to make my apology, you know. Mark Charles fell back in his chair, stunned. 
He was so sure of what he had seen and heard in the basilica. Then, he swallowed hard, then, who was shuffling around the basilica last night while I was practicing the organ? Scholastic shook his head. Wasn't me, man. I don't pull pranks like that. Poor taste, if you ask me. But he looked right at me, Mark Charles mumbled. I know it was him. He looked right at me. Try again, Father Danielle said in his tight voice. Brother Mark Charles chewed his cheek to keep himself from saying anything. He kept stumbling over the fugue in the pachelbel, the part he had been playing when Father Pius... Mark Charles, Father Danielle said when the young monk's fingers slipped again. You have practiced this piece, have you not? Yes, Father, Mark Charles mumbled. Not much, I suppose. The old monk leaned forward so that he could look into Mark Charles's face. They sat next to each other on the organ bench. Father Danielle always sat on the right side of his pupils so that he could turn pages for his students, which was helpful, even though it tended to make Mark Charles favor the left half of his backside on the bench. Now he shifted his weight and kept his eyes on the music. Yes, Father, he said. I've worked on it every day, just last night, actually. Hmph. <laughs> Father Danielle snorted. Perhaps it's a mental block. Play it again slowly. Mark Charles played the opening measures of the fugue again, at about half speed. But he couldn't keep his mind on the music. He kept thinking he heard shuffling footsteps in the back of the church. He desperately wanted to turn around and look, but he was also afraid. Afraid that he might meet the angry eyes of a dead monk. In one of Father Pius's Old Testament classes, Mark Charles had once absent-mindedly tapped the underside of his desk with his pencil while the old priest told them about the Maccabees. Father Pius's bent back had stiffened at the sound. His lecture had faltered. The chalk he was holding had scraped discordantly on the black mat board. Mark Charles hadn't made the connection at first. Then he started tapping again with the exact same effect. This time, Father Pius had turned around and scowled at the class, unable to discern the tapper among the dozen seminarians. Mark Charles had had to work hard to keep his lips from twitching. He didn't start tapping again until ten minutes before the class ended. Then he began a steady rhythm, just loud enough for Father Pius to hear. The old monk had stiffened up like he had been shot, then he had slammed the chalk down on the side of the board, his fingers quivering with rage. Then he had turned towards the class, very slowly. Mark Charles had been biting his lip so as not to laugh, but he kept the rhythm going, careful not to move his upper body at all. Who is making that infernal racket? the old monk asked. No one had answered. Slowly, Father Pius had stalked down the rows, fixing each seminarian with his ice-blue stare. When Pius reached Mark Charles, the young monk had looked up at him and blinked innocently. The old priest had glared at him for a long moment, but then he had moved on. 
It had been so funny at the time, but now... His fingers slipped again. Mark Charles, Father Danielle's usually quiet voice boomed through the empty church. The young monk stiffened. I'm sorry, Father. I really did practice it. I... No, no, Father Danielle waved an arthritic hand. I shouldn't have shouted at you. I'm sorry. I was only hoping that you might be able to play for the installation mass at the end of the month. Mark Charles blinked in disbelief. Me? he asked. Not the whole mass. Maybe just a prelude or two. But I think you're ready for more than just filling in for me at Vespers. None of my other students are anywhere close, and I need... The abbot has warned me, the old monk coughed. <clears throat> the truth is that there isn't much play left in these old fingers. He held up one withered hand, its curling digits puffy at the joints. You are the logical replacement, but you must focus. This isn't the rolling stones or whatever you used to play. When you're sitting at the organ bench, it's just you, Mark Charles. You have to carry the whole congregation. If you make a mistake, none of them can cover for you until you find your place again. But, Mark Charles bit his lip just in time, he was going to say, but how can I concentrate on the music when a dead monk is stalking around glaring at me? No buts, Father Danielle said. I think you're ready. Just keep working on this passage. I think the Pachelbel will be an excellent choice for a prelude at the installation of the new crucifix. Yes, Father, Mark Charles mumbled, gathering up his books. As he walked quickly out of the basilica, the young monk could swear that he heard shuffling footsteps following behind him. Over the next few days, Mark Charles woke sporadically during the night, sweating and fending off invisible enemies. Sometimes he dreamt of a pair of angry, pale eyes pursuing him through the darkness. Sometimes he dreamt that he walked around the basilica, moving faster and faster to escape the shuffling footsteps that followed him. But no matter how quickly Mark Charles walked, the footsteps drew closer and closer until the shuffling was a roaring scrape, scrape in his ears, like a stream that turns into a waterfall. The morning of Father Pius's funeral, Mark Charles woke up feeling exhausted and jumpy. He slunk into his customary space in the choir stalls beside Brother Scholastique. For once, the bigger monk had to keep Mark Charles awake with frequent jabs of his meaty elbows. As he made his way unsteadily to the communion line, Mark Charles hardly dared to lift his eyes from the gray crocks that peeked out from under his habit. When he got to the front of the line, however, and heard the familiar body of Christ, Mark Charles looked up with a start. The old monk standing in front of him stared at him with a sour expression and pale, angry eyes. The last time Mark Charles had seen Father Pius alive, the old priest had been yelling at him down the hall. 
Mark Charles had convinced Scholastique to help him switch the old man's gray moccasins for a pair of bright pink bunny slippers that Mark Charles had found in the clothing donated for the poor. Together, the two young monks had sneaked into the priest's cell during his nap. They had switched out the slippers, knowing that when the old monk woke up, he would probably put them on and shuffle off to afternoon prayer before he noticed the swap. Mark Charles and Scholastique had laughed for days in anticipation of the event. They had just successfully switched out the slippers and were creeping away down the hall toward the refectory when Father Pius's cell door creaked open. The old monk had stood, leaning out the door, his eyes flashing icicles after them. "'Give me back my property, you hooligans!' he had yelled. The two young monks had bolted, laughing and throwing Pius's old gray slippers back down the hall. Later, they had been called to the abbot's office. He had sat them down and told them how hurtful their actions had been, and how they were not making a good impression on the community. He reminded them that until they took their final vows, they could still be voted out of St. Gerard's. You know, the abbot had said, lacing his hands over his middle-aged pot-belly, your behavior is very troubling. You may not realize this, but such small, hurtful actions often damage the health of a community more than a big scandal ever could. You aren't thinking long-term, but if you stay at St. Gerard, you will have to live with these men for the rest of your lives. Furthermore, you will be bound to live in peace with your brothers. Peace quickly becomes impossible when these petty feuds take hold. I want both of you to apologize to Pius as soon as you can. And I command you, as your abbot, not to play pranks on him ever again. Mark Charles stumbled and, at the last moment, crossed his arms over his chest. Father Noel, a short Vietnamese monk, looked up at him, a little startled. The small priest recovered quickly, though, and laid his hand on Mark Charles's head, murmuring a brief blessing. As Mark Charles hurried back to his seat, he thought he heard a slow scuffling sound, like an old monk dragging his feet against the current of communicants. Mark Charles shuddered. "'Are you all right?' Scholastic hissed in his ear as he settled back into his seat. Mark Charles started, Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine. Some of their brother monks were starting to stare. Scholastic's big brown eyes narrowed. When you feel like telling me the truth, let me know, he whispered. Then he picked up his hymnal and joined in The King of Love My Shepherd Is in his lusty baritone. Mark Charles didn't sing along. Instead, he stood propped up in his stall, staring blankly at the hooded figure across from him, who should have been in the casket in front of the altar. That evening, Mark Charles reluctantly opened the heavy wooden door to the darkened basilica. He had never before been afraid to walk through the dark sanctuary to the light switch that turned on the light in the choir loft. But tonight he was sweating, and his heart raced as he gazed into the vast darkness of the empty church. 
Taking a deep breath, Mark Charles put one foot out into the basilica. He took one step forward, and then another. His breathing slowed. Maybe he was just being silly. Maybe it would be fine. He wouldn't hear anything. With a whoosh, bang, the door of the basilica slammed shut behind him. Mark Charles almost screamed, and he dropped his organ books on the marble floor. He was shaking all over, and he felt like his feet had put down roots deep into the stones beneath him. His breath hissed in and out through his clenched teeth, and his heart rattled around his ribcage. Then he heard it. Scuffle, shuffle, shuffle, scuffle. The footsteps started far away at the other end of the church, but Mark Charles knew they were coming closer by the second. Shuffle, scuffle, shuffle. The light of the full moon broke suddenly from behind a cloud, and all at once the basilica was illuminated with faded memories of the bright stained glass the color-soaked moonlight casting washed-out rainbows on the hard marble floor. Through the dim kaleidoscope, Mark Charles could just make out a dark figure, shuffling slowly toward him. No! Mark Charles moaned as the figure hobbled in and out of the moonlight. But the monk advancing toward him didn't seem to walk in the same light that washed through the rest of the church. The moonlight around Pius seemed brighter, and he himself looked weirdly out of proportion, like he was shuffling through another dimension. He was about twenty feet from the young monk now. Mark Charles's legs buckled. He fell to his knees, his head bowed. Then the shuffling stopped. Slowly Mark Charles looked up. Father Pius stood in a lake of blue moonlight, his hood thrown back and his pale eyes shining. As Mark Charles watched, the old monk raised his left hand and placed it gently on the confessional door beside him. Then his head turned, and his cold, pale eyes stared straight at Mark Charles. The young man winced, squeezing his eyes shut, when he slowly pried them open, he was alone in the moon-washed basilica. Pius was gone. The next day was Saturday. Mark Charles stumbled, bleary-eyed, to the breakfast table. The installation mass was a week away, and he hadn't had a chance to practice in days. The pachelbel was probably in shambles by now. With a sigh, he sat down next to Scholastique. Hey, buddy, the huge monk said. How's it going? Not good. So tired. Can't practice. Mark Charles pushed his eggs and sausage despondently around his plate. Maybe you should go to the infirmary, Scholastic said, trying to duck his head to see into Mark Charles's downcast eyes. No, Mark Charles shook his head. It's not that. If anything, I need an infirmary for my soul. He broke off. What's that? Scholastic asked. Mark Charles suddenly looked up, feeling better than he had in days. Nothing, he said. I'm fine, really. Or at least, 
I will be fine, I think. Okay, Scholastic looked at his friend through narrowed eyes. If you say so. Every Saturday, four of the priests from the monastery were assigned to hear confessions from noon to 2 p.m. Usually, some of the brothers and fathers would attend, but most of the penitents were people from the little town of Lorraine, two miles to the south. Mark Charles flipped his hood up and joined at the back of the line behind three old ladies and a young man whom he knew wanted to join St. Gerard after he graduated from college. Silently, Mark Charles began his examination of conscience. With a stab of guilt, he realized that he hadn't been to confession in over six months. No wonder it had been so easy for him to torment old Pius, or Pius's ghost, or whatever it was. Mark Charles probably had a hibernating conscience by now. He could feel his face flushing as he recalled his most recent sins. He decided not to tell the confessor which of his brothers he had been tormenting. Whether or not he had hallucinated Pius stalking the basilica that night, he had been in the wrong to behave that way toward one of his own brother monks. Afterwards, Mark Charles went to kneel by the statue of Our Lady of Grace to fulfill his penance. Father Knoll, it was easy to tell by the Vietnamese accent, even though Mark Charles had gone behind the screen, had told Mark Charles to say ten Hail Marys and to apologize to the monk whom he had teased. Mark Charles finished the last prayer. Then he bowed his head and whispered, I'm sorry, Pius. Really, I am. Mark Charles was so deep in prayer that he did not see the old monk who shuffled out of the basilica doors and headed back up the hill to the cemetery. You just listened to Fugue by Gretelyn Darkey, read to you by your door-to-door storyteller, Albert Sines. Thank you for listening. Used by We Are One Body Audio Theatre, with the permission of the licensor, granted under a copyrighted license agreement, a production of We Are One Body Audio Theatre.